Morning. How is everybody? We awake? We alive? We here? Yes? Um, did the fold write that song that we just sang? Who wrote that song? That song is unbelievable. It's so good. Um, also, as we're talking about it, I um, am shocked and amazed at um, the hearts of the leaders in this place. Uh, with CJ, Jack, and Caroline, they are incredible leaders. They, you can tell, you can see that they are following the Lord, and it makes a difference in this place, right? It's a, makes, a, makes a huge difference. So appreciate y'all uh, leading worship for us and getting us ready. Uh, I am here because CJ was in Guatemala last week, and he's like, I would love to not be preparing a sermon while I'm also carrying bricks around in 115,000 degrees. So I am here. If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Jonathan Sherbert. I am on staff at the uh, Boiling Springs First Baptist Church campus. Um, and so CJ asked me to come and hang out, and I said absolutely, and honestly feel super, super grateful uh, for it. So um, we are going to be going through as a church, as the fold, um, spiritual disciplines through the summer. And the first one we're going to be talking about this morning is service, uh, which I'm really, really, really excited about. But first, I wanted uh, y'all to get to know me just a little bit. I want to show you a picture of my family. Here we are. This is at Triple Falls, um, like near Brevard in the DuPont State Forest. Uh, amazing. So my wife is right here. Everybody say hi, Amanda. She's super extroverted. She loves that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, my mom's here. Everybody say, hi, Kathy. Uh, she's not pictured. She was currently probably in school teaching, but she's just retired as of last week. She's like all the way done. How many years did you teach? A thousand. <laughs> Seriously, 34, 35, 36? 36? 36 years. She was a teacher mostly of sixth grade middle school. She will have many crowns in heaven. Oh, my gosh. Uh, my oldest one there is Maddie Jane, and she is five. And my youngest is Audrey Claire. She is three. They are a mess and wonderful all at the exact same time. Any parents in the room? Uh, any parents of, like, six or under folks? We know, like, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's also hard. I haven't slept in maybe five years, so um, that's us. I have been on staff at a church for 13-ish, 12-ish, 13-ish years, um, and before that, I grew up uh, as a camp kid, mostly, uh, and then my dad was in ministry. I grew up at a camp um, from like the time I was three to the time I was 10 in Raleigh, North Carolina, right outside of that. Um, at this big, like, Christian summer camp. So just imagine my mom would be like, okay, love you at breakfast, see you at dinner kind of thing, and uh, horseback riding and gymnasiums and um, archery, riflery, ropes courses, horses, like the whole thing. So much fun. Really shaped who I was, um, which was a beautiful thing. So then way fast forward, uh, I take a job in ministry at Holston Creek Baptist Church in 2011. I was there for four years. Uh, and then uh, me and my wife, and no babies yet, went to uh, New Spring Church in Spartanburg, and I was there for almost nine years, and then I moved to Boiling Springs at last Thanksgiving, so still in a time of transition and newness for us, but uh, we we're having a blast. So again, thanks for having me this morning. We're talking about service. I'm going to pray for us really quick, and then we're going to jump into it. Lord, don't let me say anything that you wouldn't want me to say. Uh, let me speak your words this morning. Let us hear it. 
um, fresh and clean and clear um, about something that is so near and dear to your heart. We love you so much. It's in your name and uh, we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so I really don't even really have to talk about serving this morning because our culture just nails it, right? We, our culture is all like serving first, me way in the back. No, no, not really. Um, as you can see, our culture is dramatically flipped on its head, a me-focused, me-centered culture. Um, in 2012, the backward-facing camera hit, right? And the word selfie jumped up in usage 17,000% in a year. The word selfie whoo, skyrocketed. It became the word of the year in 2012. Big deal in the wrong direction. Um, I looked up self-promotion on Google. Here are some of the topics that I found. A complete guide to self-promotion at work. The next one, turn the spotlight on you with savvy self-promotion. The third one, self-promotion for introverts. Actually, I, introverts, y'all are good. You'll self-promote a little bit more, you'll be fine. I'm just kidding. Um, self-promotion's everywhere, right? There is a shocking statistic um, that is headed uh, in a higher and higher direction as we go, and that is the influencer career desire for teenagers. Um, the influencer career desire in 2013 by a study was 33% of teenagers wanted to be an um, influencer on social media. Um, 2018, that number was 56%, and in 2022, that number that teenagers want to be a social media influencer as their career is 86%. So from 33% to 80, 86% from 2013 to 2022. Everybody wants to be the goat, right? And y'all know I'm not talking about the farm animal, right? The greatest of all time, yes. Maybe if I was at Bowling Springs, I might have to explain what that is. We got it, the goat, um, Michael Jordan or LeBron, the, the, the topic came of debate again as LeBron's going through the playoffs. Is he the greatest of all time or is Michael the greatest of all time? My daughter's name is Madeline Jane, and when she's like doing something athletic, I call her MJ. I'm like, go MJ, you got this. She's like kicking soccer goals and whatever, not even the right sport. Uh, if you had to vote, would you vote for Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time or would you vote for LeBron James of all time? So Michael Jordan, raise your hand. LeBron James, raise your hand. Don't care in the slightest, raise two hands. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a sport. It doesn't matter if it's an art. It doesn't matter if it's music. People are always trying to compare who is the greatest at what they do. Who's the best? Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's making money. Oh, my gosh. How much do we talk about in the world? Who is the richest person currently? And how, much, how many billions have they lost this week, right? It is a massive part of who we are as a culture uh, but this concept is not just from 2012 on. It's a concept that's been around since human existence, right? The disciples were not immune to this at all. It is shocking the amount of times that they had, that Jesus had to stop them from making this argument, right? So if you've got a Bible, if you've got uh, a phone with the Bible app on it, we're going to be in Matthew 20 for a little bit, uh, and we'll kind of be all over the place. Uh, but they were not immune to this feeling at all. And the story we're going to read in, they even had their mom, the sons of Zebedee, had their mom going at this for them too. So Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 20, 
We're going to read through 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him, which is Jesus, with their sons, and kneeling before him. So it's so important to her that her sons are the greatest, that she is kneeling before Jesus, and she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? Uh, She said to him, see that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom. And I love Jesus' answer right here in 22. Jesus answered, "Uh, I don't think you know what you're asking, right? Can you imagine? He's like foreseeing what's going to happen. Are you sure you know what you're asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right and my left is not mine to grant, for it is those uh, for whom it has been prepared by my Father in 24. Or almost in 24. And then, they, uh, then the 10, when they heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. You know what it makes me think of, really quick pause, is Joseph. Remember the, the dad gave him the coat, and his brothers were furious. Even they were thinking about who was the greatest in their father's eyes in that moment. It's all the way through history. And they like threw him in a well. They tried to kill him. They sold him off into slavery. The whole thing, who was the favorite? But the disciples heard it and they were indignant at the two brothers. But then Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your, everybody say it, servant. Must be your servant. And whoever will be first among you must be your slave. That word has a willing, willing laying down of your life sacrifice to it. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I've met a lot of us have heard that scripture before. Uh, It's not like, wow, that scripture is brand new. But we are so, it is so different in the culture that they were in And the culture that we are in, it is completely flipped on its head what he is telling them to do. So this morning, we're going to talk through why do we serve? Why did he want, why did Jesus say to them, you should serve, you shouldn't be like them? What what, what are the difference makers when that happened? So we've got three points this morning, and all of them start with the letter A, because I'm a good Baptist boy preacher, right? Um, They're going to be on the screen, so you can hopefully remember them. We're going to talk through them. The first one is we serve because it aligns us to the character of Christ, and he aligns us to serving. Our character gets aligned with Christ when we serve, and the really cool part where we're going to start talking about is the same thing happens when we follow him. He makes us into that. When I think about the character of Christ, who he was, It is always pointing towards his life of service. I think about compassion. I think about humility. And I think about sacrifice. All of those were displayed in tangible ways in the life of Jesus. He saw the crowd and he had, does anybody know the word? Compassion on them. And what did he do? Right after that, he fed the 5,000. He had compassion on them. He washed the disciples' feet right after having the same argument about who was, who was the greatest. They were having the argument again about who's the greatest, and he said, stop. You've got to be humble. You've got to be, you have to have humility in you. And he's like, watch, let me show you how to do it. And he washes all of their feet. Y'all probably know this. They walked around everywhere 
It was dirty. It was gross. It was a, um, not a place where the rabbi would normally take uh, and then sacrifice. Compassion, humility, and sacrifice. I don't really feel like I have to explain a lot how far he was willing to go when it came to sacrifice. Jesus was willing to give it all, right? That's who he was. He didn't serve as a means to an end. He served because he loved. He served because he was loved. And here's the cool part. This summer, we're going to be walking through spiritual disciplines. Prayer. What are some other ones, CJ? All of these plus more. There are more. There's fasting, solitude. Um, all of these, when we put them together, here's the cool thing. When we start focusing on spiritual disciplines in our life and start focusing on God himself, the byproduct of us doing that is having a heart and becoming a servant. It is the byproduct of following after Jesus. This is who he was. He was these things. And if we start to take away the world and put Jesus as the forefront of that, service becomes what happens. And that is the first part of this thing I'm going to call like the flywheel of serving. So you start spending time with Jesus, you start reading scripture, you start praying, you start fasting and asking him for what he wants in your life. The cool thing is he turns you into the character of Christ. He takes your heart and replaces it with his. And as that happens, what you want to do is to serve people. What you want to do is to love tangibly the way that he did. That's half of what it looks like. It's so much um, of the time what happens. It's serving it isn't what happens to us or what we do. Serving is who we are and is who we become. So much of Jesus' life was that. Philippians 2, 6. You don't have to look it up. Just hang with me here. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not account it, excuse me, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. This is what the form that he took on earth was. Being born in the likeness of man he, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. That is what is wrong with society is we have not lived our lives like this. We have not lived our lives in a humble manner. We always want to know how to take care of ourselves, right? There's something even like, I, th- I believe, biological about it. There's like a survival thing that happens. Though. We need comfort. We want food. We need these natural things that keep us alive. But then we really start to hone in and focus on what those things are. And we forget that actually serving people brings us satisfaction. We think, hey, if you could just not... Uh, offend me, or if you could just, whatever that is in your life that you feel like you're getting comfort from, it's actually holding you back from satisfaction. C.S. Lewis, many of us know him, he says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, just thinking of yourself less. Does that make sense? It's not thinking like you have to be lowly and gravel in the dirt, it's just thinking of yourself less and putting your focus and your eyes on others and what are the needs that they have and this beautiful thing happens. You become more like the character of Christ and that is the other side of this flywheel. So first is you put the spiritual disciplines of God in your life. The byproduct is you becoming a servant. 
but it is a spiritual discipline because there's another half of it. We serve because he calls us to, and it makes us have the character of Christ also. Does that make sense? So you put the spiritual disciplines in, you're going to be like Christ. He served. But you do, you serve even when you don't want to, and then this flywheel begins to happen. You start to be a little more like God in a rapid pace because the two things equal the same thing. Living your life like a servant. Serving others when it's hard. Serving others when it's easy. Serving when you're called. Looking for opportunities and ways to do that. So it's a two-fold thing that happens. Put God in and also serve even when you don't want to. And what, there's, it's really, really, really hard to serve people with a bad attitude. You can do it. It's, it's possible. But as you begin to do that more and more and more, this beautiful thing happens of he replaces his character with yours. So my wife and I have a YMCA membership. And what was this, a year, two years ago? Maybe, I can't remember. We started going to this class called Body Flow Together. Uh, it's a 10-song um, workout class that there are moves that go with the music. I'm doing it perfectly right now. Just kidding. It's uh, yoga, it's tai chi, and it's pilates all mixed together in one class. I can touch my toes if you guys want me to. I'm kind of a big deal. Um, Amanda starts excelling at this class. She loves it. I mean, she is just like, it, it's fulfilling in a lot of ways. And she's like, hey, you know what? I actually think I want to try to become certified and start teaching this class. And I'm like, yeah, I could probably do it too. I probably won't, but, you know, if you want to, um, that'd be great. So she starts on her certification, and there's lots and lots of steps. You know, you're going, we went down to Charleston for this big class. Um, then you have to, like, videotape yourself in a class that you have to talk people into to come. You're like, I know I'm not a trainer, but do you want to come to my class? Is it going to be fun? And one of the moves in the release that she had, they do releases, like, quarterly, um, has a, like, full back bend in it. And the um, instructor has to be talking like I am with a microphone about what is happening and then what's next coming in a full back bend. And for you, you might be like, that's the easiest thing ever. I couldn't definitely do it, definitely not do it. Uh, but Amanda, when she was 16, broke her back on a trampoline in the middle of a backflip. And so that move is extra hard, right? And so we are, she is working on getting certified for this class, and this move is eating her up. Like, it is hard. We're in the kitchen one night, and she's like, all she's got in the bag, like trying to figure out how to do this back bend. And she's like, I can't do it. I think I'm all done. I, like, I need to quit. I'm not going to go forward with this at all. And that's the end of the story. So, you know, just keep trying. I'm just kidding. That's not the end of the story. <laughs> so um, she keeps working on it. She keeps working on it. And then she nails it. And then um, after some more time, she starts to be able to teach with it. And she gets certified. And now she's like the best group fitness trainer on the planet. That's amazing. Um, and it was, it was very, very cool to see adversity overcome uh, in her life with this. And here's what I want you guys to think about. There was two things that happened. One, she wasn't looking when she started the class to do something that she couldn't do, like this back bend, right? The back bend was a byproduct of her wanting to become a trainer. It was a byproduct of what happened. That's half of the circle. The other thing is she had to put in work she had to put in di discipline. She had to put in sacrifice. There was a lot. It didn't just come easy. It wasn't just something that happened. She put a lot of work in to make sure that this happened. And so there was this 
whole circle of things that had to happen for her to get certified. It's the same thing with us when it comes to serving. It's the same thing. There is a desire that will begin in us. Byproduct of serving will come from it, but also it's going to take a lot, a lot in us. Tim Keller says this, the measure of our spiritual maturity is not how much we know or how gifted we are, but how willing we are to serve others selflessly. That's what that is. So as you're thinking about what this is for your life to be aligned to the character of Christ this week, think about these two things. We're going to have them on the screen here. Can you see your life being aligned with the character of Christ through serving? And is your spiritual life breeding a byproduct of serving? Two questions to be thinking about. Uh, Because when we become the character of Christ and we love others by tangibly serving, it changes everything around you. You know those kind of people, right? The people that you can just feel it from, they're willing to go and do something for you that probably most wouldn't. Or maybe it's just the way that they act. It's their character that you can tell that's been changed by the world. They go into a dark place and they shine light. It is beautiful. It's so, so important to the body. Point number two is that it amplifies the body of Christ. So we get aligned to the character of Christ, and when we start doing this, we amplify the body of Christ. The body of Christ, I believe and I hope that you believe, is the hope of the world. It is the thing that I feel like can change so many things around us. And when we start using our spiritual gifts to serve, everything around us gets changed. Think about what could happen if this body of believers begins to live and walk in their spiritual giftings. Here's what I, I know that it's hard. Um, our, the way that church is set up, a lot of times it feels like gifted people need to take the forefront and that's what church is. Church, I'm telling you this right now, we all know this, but church was not set up to have a service on Sunday mornings once a week. That's not what church is. That's not what church should be. CJ knows that, Jack and Caroline know that, we all know that. That's not what church is. That is where we come and celebrate what happens during the week. The church is us living together like Christ lived, having the heart of a servant, having a humility about us that serves the people around us. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing when we serve the Lord. Charles Spurgeon says this, when we serve the church, we become channels of God's love and vessels of his grace Our service has the power to impact lives, transform communities, and bring glory to God. We all know this. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says this. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Does anybody know who Dorcas is in the Bible? A few of us. And do I know? Yeah, it is a great name. The uh, English version of that name is Tabitha, but I like Dorcas a lot better. Um, in Acts chapter 9, um, it talks about, starting in verse 36, uh, verse 36, that she was found always doing good. She had a ministry. She would make clothes for the, uh, the people who didn't have clothes. She also had a food ministry. She would feed the poor. Uh, Tabitha or Dorcas gets sick and dies. Very, very sad. 
They, the Bible says that they clean her body and they put her in a room upstairs. Well, the disciples find out about this and a girl named Lydia, who is a leader in the church there, uh, said, hey, this very powerful servant has died. And they came and they were actually able to raise her from the dead. She said, he took her hand, boom, she gets up, she walks. She was dead, then she wasn't. And I believe so much of that is because she was living out what God has called us to live out, and that is to have the heart of who he was. She was raised from the dead because she was always found to be doing good. Is that something that we could be known for? What if we, what if the fold was known for us always doing good? I really, really, really believe that if we could figure out what our spiritual gifts are and begin to live in those, everything around this campus changes. Everything around this campus because we can't just have mouthpieces on a body. How weird of a body would that look like? We can't just have eyes on a body. How weird would that look like? We need kidneys. You need kidneys to live, right? It's even hard to walk without toes, right? Every single part of the body is super needed. Uh, The thing that hinders the body of Christ right now, I believe, is that we see a smaller group of talented people serving. We feel unequipped to serve the church. Lisa Turkhurst says this, Serving the church is not reserved for the elite or the gifted. It is a call for every believer to use their unique gifts and abilities to glorify God and bless others. God made you to build up the body of Christ. He made you for that. Now, what does that look like? It can look like all kinds of different things. Maybe it is you, in a, for a season, showing up to a small group and being vulnerable so that someone else feels comfortable to come and show up and be vulnerable. I really believe that that is serving. I really believe that is serving. And I'll say the fold feels so strongly about it that they don't want you to serve in the church without being in a group. You don't, that, don't pour out unless you're getting also poured into. That's a big deal. Not every church does that. They're like, oh my gosh, you're a warm body. Yes, come serve the church, right? Also be poured into. But I believe that you can serve the church by showing up. It's a big deal. You serve the church by giving sacrificially to see the vision of this church move forward to find home, find family, and find purpose for people around us. What would it look like if you were able to open up your home? What would it look like if you showed up with a kind smile? What would it look like if you had conversations at work that led to people coming with you to church? What would it look like if you could serve your neighbor? We're going to get to that in just a minute. Um, But the church is such an important, important, vital part of it, and it can't just be for a few. It has to be for all of us. That's what the church is. That's what the church is. So a question for you. Can you see where your gifts are being used to amplify the body of Christ? Can you see where your gifts are being used to amplify the body of Christ? If not, what is a step you could take in that direction? What's a step you could take that in that direction? And so as we begin to align ourselves with the character of Christ, we begin to amplify the body of Christ. And when that happens, the third point is we affect the world. It's a concentric circle that happens. It has to start within us. We have to choose to follow Christ, and we also have to choose to live sacrificially all the time. But it begins to affect the world. What would it look like in your workplace if you took the focus off self-promotion and put it on service? What would your coworkers think about you? How would your boss think about you? What would, your, what would the people that you work with, like customers or whatever, what would that look like 
If they knew that your goal in life was a servant, not by the words you said, but how you acted tangibly, right? What would your neighbors feel? How, what would they tangibly feel from you if you were living your life as a servant? Maybe it's cookies. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's kind words. Maybe it is, name it, babysitting for their kids. Maybe what? There is a thousand different things you could do. What would your neighbors feel if you were tangibly on mission to love and serve them? Our uh, neighbor, Joe, has a cat named Orangey. And uh, now one of my, the most favorite things in my children's lives is to feed Orangey, who has one tooth. <laughs> this cat has legitimately one tooth. <laughs> um, when they go out of town, they're like pumped to go feed Orangey. One, because my five-year-old gets to walk next door like by herself, big deal. You know, it's like, whoa, what's happening? This whole new world of next door. Uh, But what would it look like if you could serve your neighbors in a way where they felt the love of Christ? What would your family feel if we were living on mission in the way that we served? What would your family feel? What would your spouse feel from you? How would, what would, what would be different? What would look different if your spouse was feeling a full-on 100%, I'm taking eyes and focus off me and putting it on you. Amen in the back. I like it. Parents, do we have the opportunity to serve 24-7 with kids? Right. Yeah, what would it look like if we served in the way that the Lord did? Full of compassion, full of humility, full of sacrifice. I know that my kids would feel a different experience than I give them on a daily basis. I try really hard. There's lots and lots more that we can do uh, to love them like that. My daughter, uh, Audrey, the young one, has like super crazy, severe, out of control eczema. It's so bad. Um, she will scratch herself very, very bloody, even like in her sleep. And so uh, for the past, I don't know, 10 decades, it feels like, I've been sleeping in the bed with her and pretty much have to lay my arms over top of her so she won't scratch herself like even when she's asleep and uh, I know that it's working and doing well the other morning she woke up and she's like stretching she's super cute and she's like daddy are you my stuffy and I was like yes baby are currently right now I am your stuffy which is like you know stuffed animal if you don't get it Um, so parents what would it look like if we had the heart and mindset to serve Everything around us begins to change. And it can't be just one. It's multiple areas of your life. And that's why it's so important to not just try and do this by yourself, right? Just like I was talking about like a parent, you're going to burn yourself to the ground trying that. If we try harder, it's going to feel a lot harder. And that's part of it. But if we're not putting that other part in of putting our focus and our eyes on Jesus who said in that song that we sang, his burden is easy and his yoke is light, right? Put that on. It's going to be so much different. But as we, as we begin to do this as a church, things begin to sprout and spring out of this. The neighborhoods and the communities that we touch begin to change, and then it, it can change to the ends of the world. Christians have influenced an insane amount, an insane amount in the world we live in. Education systems, hospitals, Healthcare systems, huge, massive structures have been built by Christians who said, hey, I see a need and I want to serve. Uh, There's lots and lots of education and all that. I'm going to think of a a few of them here. World Vision. Um, World Vision is a Christian humanitarian organization that addresses poverty, provides disaster relief, promotes education, 
um, and improves the well-being of children and communities worldwide. Samaritan's Purse, emergency relief, medical care, assistance of war victims, natural disaster, poverty and famine, Salvation Army, Compassion International, Food for the Hungry. The list literally goes on and on and on and on. 75% of the top 40 uh, biggest charities in the world are Christian-based. It's a big, big deal because when the heart of God gets inside of us, something about it sets our heart on fire because that's what he wants us to live and be like. And so here, let me say this for you in here. Maybe God has given you a God-sized vision to help those around you. Maybe it's absolutely massive. Let me ask you a question. What would you do in this life for God if you knew that you couldn't fail? He wants us to live with our hair on fire that kind of crazy. So maybe you have something that's burning inside of you. There's well drilling that you know that you need to do. Another da, 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 da. The list could go on and on for that. If you're thinking in that lane, here's some of the thoughts that can help you find that thing to grasp onto. What deeply moves me emotionally and stirs a sense of urgency or concern within me? Here's the next question to think about. What values and principles do I hold dear and which causes or issues align with those values? And the third question, how can I leverage my skills, my talents, and my resources to make a meaningful impact in addressing these burdens? If God is, if you are feeling like this God-sized vision in you, at one point, Compassion International did not exist. At one point, these ministries that I talked about before did not exist. Samaritan's Purse, world they didn't exist. They came from the heart of somebody who was following after God and said, oh my gosh, I see a need, and Lord, I know that you want this need met. I'm gonna go try and meet this need. Don't be afraid if God is calling you to that kind of level of service. But we probably know that most of the time, that's not gonna be the way that it plays out. Most of the time, the way that it plays out is with that neighbor, is with that family member, is with that person who needs it most. Can I ask you a question? Um, you ever had somebody serve you so selflessly in a time that you needed it most? Remember that feeling when you were like, this person does not have to do this. Why are they doing this? You remember what it felt like? It felt like being loved by God. It did for us. So, I wish I didn't have to tell the story. I wish it wasn't part of my story, but it is. In uh, October of 2021, my dad got diagnosed with ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, and that is one that has like a 0% survival rate of. Like nobody has ever like, oh, I beat it. We did it. Um, and there are two different forms. There is one that starts in your extremities and works its way in. Um, it basically uh, breaks the signaling from your brain to your muscles in your body, right? And Stephen Hawking, remember Stephen Hawking? That's what he had. Uh, he had the extremities in form, and he lived for like 50 years with it, which is a really, really long time. That's not normal. Uh, there's another kind that starts in your lungs, in your throat, and works its way out, and that's fast. Obviously, you need these things to live. And so dad had this version. And uh, dad was six foot one, 230 pounds, legs like actual tree trunks. I mean, like absolutely massive, uh, big, strong, amazing man, full of life, full of joy, full of serving. 
um, in his life. And uh, this disease took so much of that, except his spirit in, in a lot of ways. And so um, he begins to go downhill very quickly. I think his last meal was early portion of 2022. And then he had a feeding tube. He was holding on as hard as he could. He was on a full, um, like um, a breathing mask from like March um, all the way in through to January of 23. Uh, had to be on it pretty much full time. He went into hospice care one time in October and battled his way out of it. They're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I want to live more. And um, so absolutely like gut-wrenching, horrible, horrible thing. Uh, there were so many people that we saw the love of Christ in throughout that process. It, it was heaven in some ways in the way that they served us. There was one lady, I could talk about lots of people. There was one lady named Jackie. And Jackie was an ICU nurse and a, maybe a hospice nurse at one point that had retired. And she was wondering, how is the Lord still going to use me after my retirement? Because she found a ton of purpose in that. She was in mom and dad's small group, okay? And she goes from small group member to a part of our family forever in the way that she loved and she served my dad. You can't imagine the things that this person who was not family would do for my father, like change diapers. <laughs> like, do you ever think about someone in your home group <laughs> eventually changing their diapers? It's weird. It was so, can you imagine like all of that? She did it with the most grateful heart on the planet and she was the one reaching out to my mom about what it would look like. Hey, can I come over? Can I please come over? Can I please come over? Come on, please come over. They started watching the show Yellowstone together. They made it through like four seasons. <laughs> That's what service is going to look like. What is that for you? She did it with an open heart. She was there the day he died and days after. Well, what does that look like for you? God has an opportunity like that, maybe not like that exact scenario, but use for you to love sacrificially that changes the lives of people around you. That's why God wants us to do it. Because when we serve, we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. You can feel it, you can see it, you can sense it. And so my challenge to you is, what are those spaces and places for you? <laughs> You're probably not going to have to change somebody who's an adult's diapers, right? But I promise you there will be an opportunity for you to serve sacrificially. And when we do, we bring the kingdom of God. So Father, let us be kingdom bringers. Let us serve in a way that shocks the world. Let us be the people who live with full sense of humility and compassion in our hearts to love the unlovable, to love the people that are hard to love. Jesus, we are so, so thankful for it. So Father, turn us into hearts of servants like you are. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.